Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Slap three people, high five, and say, you better talk about it. All right, we're talking about it. We're witnessing, we're sharing our faith. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're, we are on lesson number 38 for the year of our series that we have done for an entire year. I'm so excited about this. For an entire year, we have focused on fruitfulness. We're at the end of this year. It's the kick. It's the time of the, the race where you really kick into gear. You really run that last leg of the race. The, they always save their best runners for the last. And so I believe we're, we're living in the last of the last days. Amen. And I believe that this is the last days of this year that God is preparing us to be a church that's fruitful, to be a church that's awake, a church that's alive, a church that's got oil in her lamp, in their lamps. Amen. That we're dressed in dazzling white silk without spot or blemish. We're ready. We're equally yoked with Jesus Christ doing the works that he said we would do. He said, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. Amen. So we're, we're, we're pressing into a level of fruitfulness that we've never pressed into before. And so we're, we've been looking at the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, but wait, don't go until you're endued or clothed with power from on high. So they waited in the upper room for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And the same guys that were trembling and hiding and, and were willy-nilly and weak-kneed and wouldn't stand with Jesus and ran off and left him. Only one, John, stood at the cross with his mother. But the rest of them ran off. They were all afraid. They didn't have an ounce of boldness in them. But when the day of Pentecost came, everything changed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. And people heard them speak in their own languages and glorify God in heaven. And that day, 3,000 people, when Peter stood up to preach, the same one who, one who was afraid, got up and boldly declared. As they said, y'all drunk. He said, oh, no, we're not drunk. This is what Joel said would happen. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's what you're witnessing right now, is that the Holy Spirit has just been poured out. You've always rejected the prophets. You've always rejected God. And the people were cut to their hearts. And they said, what, what, what must we do to be saved? And 3,000 people got saved that first day that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went on, and, and from that day, they've been, they, they preached the gospel and handed it off to the next generation. They were all martyred. They all died for the gospel, for preaching of the gospel. They all were martyred for their faith. They handed it off to the next generation. And that generation handed it off to the next. And that went to the next. And the, the gospel has been going forth for 2,000 years. And now here it is in our hands. We received it from the last generation. And here it is in our hands. What are we going to do with it? 
what kind of gospel are we going to pass off? Because I'm telling you, we're living in a day where the church has become too much like the world. Too much like the world where it's not, ineffect- it's not effective. We want to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the things that God said we would see. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's who we are and that's who we need to rise up and become. Because the last days will be a, a, a time of, of great persecution for believers. Are we ready for that? Are we a church that's really ready for great persecution? Are we ready, for, are we ready to die for Jesus? Let's think about it. Wow. Am I doing all I need to do to keep myself filled up with faith? Keep myself ready for God to use. Because he's coming after a church that's strong. Come on, you better preach. Amen. Amen. So we've, we've got to be that church. We have to be, not only be that But we have to be so adamant about putting it in this generation. Because you're not saved just to be saved. Otherwise, God would have just taken you to heaven as soon as you said yes. Save all this trouble. Let's go. But there's purpose and there's destiny in you. He foreknew you before he ever blew your spirit into your body and your mother's womb. He knew you before the foundations of the earth. He knew you and he predestined you for great things. He predestined you to to receive him, to know him, to be changed into the likeness of Christ and then turn around and let let him glorify you for us to be glorified in being like Christ so that his name would be great. His name is going to be great through us. Amen. Amen. It's through us. We have to choose that that's what we're going to do and that's what we're going to be. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but God, show me your way. Lead me left, right, straight, up, down. What do you want me to do? Make sure that we're perfectly in line with what he wants us to do. Amen. So being led by the Spirit, number one, we should expect to hear God lead us. We should be in expectation. Number one, write this down. Number one, we should expect to hear God lead us. I'm in expectation every day of being nudged by God this way. Sometimes <laughs> I'll start out on a journey and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Literally, uh, picking up these girls and trying to figure out where to take them. I just went and got them and I didn't, didn't even know where I was going to take them. God just spoke a word in my spirit, and I followed through on that and was able to get favor to to get them somewhere. But as I picked them up, I thought, dear Lord, I've just got two daughters. (laughs) I just picked up two girls that are going to have to go live with me if I don't find somewhere for them to be. Amen. But I, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me what to do, and I'm listening day by day about what to do in this situation. Amen. Sometimes I feel like I'm listening so hard. I'm like, God, speak louder if I'm not hearing but we got to hear his voice. So we should expect to hear God lead us. You know, 15 different times in the New Testament, Jesus said, he that has ears, let him hear. Look at Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. He who has ears to hear, 
Let him hear. Say, Lord, open my ears so I can hear your voice. John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's why the day when you heard the gospel, you said, what? I know that voice. I know that voice. Because before the foundations of the earth, you, he already knew you. You already knew him. You're a spirit that's always existed there with God. You didn't just come into existence whenever you were born in your mother's womb. He knew you way before. He told Jeremiah, he said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you a prophet. So if he knew Jeremiah, he had to know you, 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 and me too. Hallelujah. So he knew. And so whenever he called you, whenever you heard the gospel, you said, wait, I know that voice. I know him. I know that your spirit knew who he was. So my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they, they follow me. Isaiah 30, 21. I love this. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It's not going to be an audible voice, but you may. Some people do hear the audible voice of God. But sometimes, most of the time, it will be that you feel that inner witness, that his spirit speaks to your witness. Our spirit is one with him. We are one together with God, right? Jesus prayed that we would be one. We're one with him. So when you hear him talk, it's almost like more from within than without. Like you hear him in your spirit, and your spirit tells your mind what you just learned, what you just heard. Does anybody else agree with that? When you hear God, you hear it like somewhere in your, in your spirit man because it's your, the spirit of God talking to your spirit man. He talks spirit to spirit, and then your, your brain gets wind of it. So he tells us which way to go with that still, small voice. See, some of us are looking for the wind and the hurricane and for the fire and the wind to tear into the rocks. We're looking for a big to-do, but God, God says, be still and know that I'm God. His voice is delicate and whispering. It's the still, small voice of God, the inner witness of God. So number two, seeking him prompts a response from God. So I can, if I'm seeking him, it prompts him. It's, it's like God's a good checker player. He won't move if it's your turn. So... Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's what I've been talking to you about already so far, is that for whom he foreknew. Would you underline that foreknew? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, which that's a work of the Holy Spirit. So he knew you before the foundations of the earth. Now look at James 4, 8. I can prompt him. Draw near to God and what? He'll draw near to you. So maybe you're waiting on God, but God's waiting on you. You know, if you have to get up every morning, every morning and say, God, here, here I am again. Here I am again. I'm knocking again, God. Here I am again. I, I need you, God. I need to hear from you this morning. Here I am. I'm knocking again. Yet it's tomorrow morning. Here I am, Lord. I'm knocking again. If you really want to hear from him, have you really sought him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? He says, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I remember when I was a teenager and somebody gave me a, a Bible. And I used to play this little game. I would say, God, what do you want to say to me? And I'd open the Bible and whatever I opened it to, whatever my eyes landed on, was exactly what I felt like God wanted to say. This was the first scripture my eyes fell on. I was like, 
Oh my gosh. He says, call to me. In other words, you don't have to play the open the Bible game. He said, call to me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not of. But hearing those great and mighty things, it comes from call to me, call to me, call to me and I will answer you. Revelation 3.20, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone does what? Here's my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And then look at Romans 10, 13 in the message. I love this. Everyone who calls help God gets help. Would you underline that? Because you don't have to pray some fancy prayer. All you got to say is help God. Help. All right. So we, we should expect God to talk to us. We should expect to be led by the Spirit of God and to hear His voice. So number two, Holy Spirit-led witnessing. Did you know that 70% of our unchurched people have never been invited to church in their lives? 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. 51% of churchgoers don't believe that sharing their faith is an essential, essential obligation to their Christian life. 51%. 75% do not believe it's important to share their faith. 75% of believers do not believe it's important that they share their faith. So where does that, that fault must lie in the pulpit? Because it's the pastor's job to make sure we equip you for the work of the ministry. So there's got to be enough preaching on it going on. And maybe we've just preached so many sermons about how you'd get your life right or how to, um, you know, maybe we've just been preaching too much prosperity. Maybe there's just too much other stuff that we've been preaching that's kept us focused on us, which leads to miserable people. That's why people in church are getting divorced. People in church are committing suicide. Pastors, high, big name pastors committing suicide. You know, maybe we're not preaching what we ought to preach. It's not just all about you or about how to get your life together. It's about how to get your life together so you can turn around and help somebody else. That's the will of God. Hallelujah. So, yeah, you might want to just sit there with your arms folded today, but I'm going to preach it up because you need to know that you are a soul winner. you got to go out and let somebody know about Jesus and about what he's done for you in your life. 45% share, uh, never share their story of how they came to Christ. 77% of all Americans believe that personal salvation is the result of good works. Now, that's, that's all Americans. That's Christian and non-Christian. They believe that salvation is that you can work yourself. You can get there on your own. And we're the ones who have to say, not true. You can't be good enough. Mother Teresa wasn't good enough with all the good that she did. Her, her own righteousness was as filthy rags just like yours and mine. Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of sin makes you a sinner. You can't say, well, I'm not as bad as that one because he murdered somebody. All I did was tell a lie. A little bit, a lie is still sin. Amen. A little white lie. A little lie that, you know, it's still a half lie. Still, I mean, a, a half truth is still a whole lie. Amen. So, so just a little bit of sin still makes you a sinner. So we all have to have salvation. We all need salvation. And you can't get there by your good works. And we're the ones that God's counting on to tell them the truth. 50% of all evangelicals, that's you and me, believe that there is more than one way to heaven. There's a lie that's gotten out there that a lot of people are believing. That whether you believe in Buddha 
Muhammad or Jesus, they're all just three different ways to get to the same God. Not true. Not true. It's not true. Look what Jesus said, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Number one, Jesus tells us to tell others about him. You know, with this day that we're living in, we we're going to have to be the real deal, y'all. We can't be halfway. We're going to have to be the real deal if we're going to get it done in this, in this day and age that God has picked us out for. If he knew us beforehand and he blew us into our mother's womb at, at, at this, for this generation, then he knew what we'd be facing and he knew that we were up for the task. So number one, Jesus tells us to tell others about him. Mark 16, 15 through 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So already right there, you know, you're going to preach and some are going to believe and some are not. Your job is to preach. It's not your job to make sure that they say yes. You just be faithful to plant that seed. Be faithful to just do what God told you to do if you're being led by the Spirit. Amen? Be faithful to say something. All right, what is the gospel? You think, well, how do I know what the gospel is? That's just such a big word. Gospel just means the good news about Jesus. It's the good news about Jesus that, that he came and, and died on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to die for eternity and pay for our own sins. He paid the price for us, and we just have to simply believe and say yes to him. What could be more simple than that? It's so simple that it really trips a lot of people up. <laughs> All right, number two, Jesus tells us to make disciples. Disciples are made. They have to be made, and it takes time to be made. Amen. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, people have to be taught once they're saved. They have to be taught. That's why we need the fivefold ministry, the teachers in the body of Christ. I thank God for our teachers. Amen? Um, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we should be. Uh, uh, telling others about Jesus, and we should also be teaching them and discipling them. That's part of the work that we're supposed to be doing as a church, and that's what we do. That's what Firm Foundation is all about. That's why we're baptizing people after church today. Why? Because this scripture says that we're, that's what we're supposed to do. So that if someone re receives Christ, we get them to the water so they can have that, that public identification and saying, yes, I've been saved. Yes, I've received what Jesus did for me on that cross and being raised from the dead. He lives in me now. Amen? So we get them to the water and we do that. Then the very next thing believers need to do, new believers, you've got to get in class. Even if you've been taught and you've gone off for a while, you have to continually be taught and learning the Word of God over and over again until you grow up into it, till you're doing it. Amen? And then once you're doing it, you still keep growing. Amen? You're never going to arrive. You just keep going. All right? So the first thing we do is tell others about Him. Second thing is we make disciples. The third thing is that we should be inviting people to church. That, that is crazy that how many have never been invited? How many? What percentage was that? 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. Wow. We should, that's an indictment on all of us right there. 
So we should be inviting people to church. Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You could even just say, well, can I take you to breakfast? Oh, that'd still be a whole lie, wouldn't it? No, because you're taking them to church for breakfast, right? Bring them to church and they can have a taco or pancakes or we'll fix them anything they want if we've got it in there within our power, won't we? Yes, we will. Amen. So you could just say, hey, I want to take you to breakfast. Our church, we have breakfast at our church. And then we just have a, a quick sermon and some music. You'll love it. Amen. So invite people to church. Compel them to come in. Tell them you're going to buy them breakfast. Or, you know, we give them breakfast for free on the first visit. But that's another way to do it. All right. So we, we should be inviting people to church. That's something that we should be doing as individuals. You should have a list of people you're working on. Constantly working on them. Amen. All right, number four, the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness effectively. So the first thing is, is Jesus tells us to tell others about him, to go and make disciples. We should be inviting people to church, and the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do all those things effectively. The Holy Spirit is with us. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what does a witness do? A witness is, promises to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help them God, right? And then a witness gets on the stands and they tell, they gets on the stand and tells what they know firsthand. So you want to tell what you know firsthand as a witness. All right? Now let's look at number five. Winning souls is a part of a fruitful life. We've been looking at being fruitful this year. If we're going to um, press in and be tremendously fruitful, part of that fruitful life is going to be that we are winning souls. That's part of the, of the fruit. It's like the parable of the talents where the, 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 the man gave five talents to this or ten talents to this person according to each, each person's ability. He was going on a journey. He says, I'm going to give you ten talents. I'm going to give you five and I'm going to give you one. And he, or I think it was, I think that's a number. Anyway, it was something like that. Is it 10, 5, and 1? Something like that. Yeah. Talents was a sum of money. A talent was like a, a dollar. Like he gave him $10, gave him $5, and gave him $1. $1. And so the one who, when the, when the guy came back, this guy had made 10 more. He said, look, I've, I've made you 10 more. This one said, look, I've made you 5 more. He said, each according to their own ability. God's not expecting you to do what Joshua can do. Because Joshua's out carrying a cross and God has spoken to him to go and do it. So you can't compare your soul winning or, or your uh, doubling to him because that's what, don't, don't compare it. To each to his own ability. You might be the one with the one, but you better come with your one in addition to. Because this one said, well, I buried it in the ground so I wouldn't lose it. So when the master came and said, Where, what did you do with what I gave you? He said, here, I got, I got what you gave me. He said, no, you're wicked. He called him wicked and lazy. Talking too strong this morning. Wicked and lazy. Amen. Wicked and lazy. You just buried it in the ground. You should have at least invested it in the bank. I would have gotten at least what the going interest rate was. But no, he said, you're wicked and lazy. But, but, but the others, you know, you could say that's like souls. Okay, I'm not just going to bring myself to heaven. Look, I've got, I got all these too, God. Look at all these. Look at all these that i got too. Well, he already knows who they are, but he expects you to multiply. Yeah. He expects you to share your faith. Amen. 
Where am I? Empowers us to witness. We're part of a fruitful life. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Isaiah 52.7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. We have good news. We ought to be full of joy. Amen. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Ooh, I came to tell you that God reigns today. That he's still in charge. You can't go wrong in believing on him. All right. Number six, be prepared for spiritual warfare. You know, as long as you just come to church and you know, I ain't mad at nobody for coming to church. I don't say, don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, I'm glad you're in church. Praise the Lord. Glad you're here. But as long as you just come to church and go home, I don't think the devil's going to fool with you that much. But when you get ready to be a soul winner, you get ready to do something for God, watch out. All hell's about to break loose in your life. Because he, because he wouldn't be a very good devil if he, if he didn't, Right? Because that's his job. He's an adversary. He comes to, you know, make it difficult for you. But you know what? We win every battle. You don't say, well, I didn't have this trouble. Why is God doing this to me? God's not doing it. we got an adversary. Be careful. Be watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He says, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You'll be able to stand in the evil day. You'll be able to um, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We have a, there is a spiritual battle going on whether you want to believe it or not. There is a spirit realm that opposes the things of God. Why? The devil hates God. And he hates you because you look just like God. And you've got an assignment from God. So yeah, he's going to try to stop you the minute you get ready to do something. I would be surprised if your car breaks. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens because that's what happens it's warfare but you know what we take a licking and we just keep on ticking we just keep on going we don't let anything stop us I'm pressed but I'm not crushed persecuted but I'm not abandoned struck down but I'm not gonna be destroyed I'm gonna keep on going and keep declaring with my last breath I'll be preaching the gospel amen I'll be telling somebody about Jesus so be prepared souls are on the line for eternity people are sliding off into eternity right this moment Right this moment, people are sliding off the conveyor belt into hell forever. Amen. Forever. Wow. It's important that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Ephesians six twelve in the message, I love this. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Number seven, understand that you have been sent by God to the hurting and hopeless. You've been sent by God. When the children of Israel were being oppressed for 400 years in Egypt, God heard their cry, the Bible said, and he sent Moses. Exodus 3, 9 through 10, he says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians press, oppress them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Think of the cries that God is hearing right now. 
right now. You remember what it was like to be caught up in all your mess. You remember what it was like. If you can't, just, just sit there for a minute and just remember what it was like without Jesus. Even just not having the, just the comfort of knowing that he was there. There are people who are crying out to him right now. People that, that he's going to be sending somebody to. You got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. Evelyn, would you mind closing that door, please? Somebody go and help them. Uh, Yuri, would you go help them, please close that door back there? Thank you. Okay, so he says, you, you say this to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So I want you to see yourself as someone who is sent by God. Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Amen. So that needs to be our, our cry back to God. Lord, send me. I'm willing to go. Are you willing to go this morning? Are you willing to witness? Hey, raise your hand if that's you. You're willing to go. You're willing to witness. I'm willing to tell it. I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to feel foolish. I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing. I'm willing. I make myself a no reputation. I'm willing. And I'm obedient. John 20, 21 through 22. As the Father has sent me. This is Jesus talking. As the Father has sent me. As the Father has sent me. I also send you. You know, Jesus knew it wasn't going to always be comfortable. And it wasn't always comfortable. That cross wasn't comfortable. That cat of nine tails on his back wasn't comfortable. The crown of thorns wasn't comfortable. The nails weren't comfortable. But he, but he was sent by God, and he knew what he was sent for. We're sent, and we know there's going to be persecution. But you ought to count it all joy. You ought to count it all joy. When you know that you've been persecuted for his sake, you ought to just be glad. I'm, I'm glad to get to be persecuted for him. I'm glad to take it for him. That means I'm doing something. You're not being persecuted. You ain't doing nothing. As the Father is sending me, he said, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. I see that heating up even more and more in the earth now, don't y'all? That we're hated because we're believers. I heard it said as I was looking at statistics last night that in our children's lifetime, there could be at the rate that, that Islam and Muslims, that, at the rate that they're growing, in our children's lifetime, there could be more Muslims than there are Christians in the United States. Now, that's hard to... I didn't even write it down because I thought, there ain't no way. But if we don't do what we're supposed to do, it's going to happen. We can't let that happen. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Number three, sharing your faith in Jesus. Here's the first way you're going to do it. Live a godly life. I think this is where we miss it the most as believers because we can't be hypocrites. 72% of the unchurched believe the church is filled with hypocrites. You know what I say when people say that to me, that there's a lot of hypocrites in church? I'm like, yeah, there probably are, but there's some good ones like me in there too. Amen. 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 So 
I'm trying to figure out where I am. All right, all right, live a godly life. Live a godly. I found it. I found it. All right. You know, and I tell you, I think, um, so don't be a hypocrite. Say one thing and do another. That's what being a hypocrite is. You, you act like in front of other people. And you know what? Your children see you. Act one way at church and then go home and just fight like hell. Acting crazy, calling the police. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. So that's, that's not who we are. Amen? So live in front of your children the way that you should live. Amen? Just the same way you do. Just live for God. Not partying and, and carrying on and acting just like the world. That's not who we are. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. This is going to tighten us all up right here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you uh, there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this, genu- this generous Father in heaven. So don't lose your flavor. We're salt and light. So you don't want to get dim and you don't want to get flavorless. If you look, seriously, what a good is salt that's not salty? It says just, just pour it down and make pavement out of it because it's not good for anything else, just to be walked on. So we have to keep our saltiness. We have to live a godly life. We, you know, we love him too much to li- just live any kind of way. Because that's a reflection on him, right? Amen. All right. Number two, show people you care about them. Show people that you genuinely care about them. I'll tell you, um, Lexi and Ray, these d- two young ladies, I showed you their picture last week that showed up on our sidewalk. They were sleeping on our sidewalk. And um, we went out and gave them breakfast. And... I got involved in their life, and, you know, I took them to breakfast. Was it yesterday morning? day before yesterday morning. I picked them up uh, and took them to breakfast and was talking to them. And it takes a while for them to open up, you know, until they see that I really care about them. Um, they opened up. Um, Eduardo and Joshua, I just have to say thank you so much because they picked them up from the shelter and took them down to uh, Ben Tobb Hospital and sat with them like half the day because they were waiting to be seen at Ben Tobb Hospital. So, you know, they showed that they cared. And they were being kind of quiet with them, so I called them up. I said, Lexi and Ray, these guys are like brothers to you. I sent them. I sent them to come and get you and to sit with you like a big brother. You can trust them. Because they're, they're really fun once you get to know them. They start talking to, you know, kidding around and joking and that kind of being silly. Because they're just 20 and 21, just young girls who are in a bad, a bad predicament. Just showed up on our, on our doorstep, literally. And so we've gotten involved as a church in their lives, and we're letting them know that we are people. We are a people that care. We care about them. And uh, I, I sat there, and I looked them in the eyes. I said, you girls don't know it, but the favor of God is on your life. They were looking at me like, really? We, really? I'm like, yeah, because I'm here. Because I'm sitting here with you. 
because God has sent me to your life. That's the favor of God on your life. The favor of God is God raising up somebody somewhere to use their power, ability, and influence to help you. Stop always waiting for somebody to raise up your favor and be favor for somebody else. See, what you're giving out is what you're going to get back. You want favor? You ought to rise up and just show the least of the least the favor of God through you. People got to know that you care. Before they want to hear your message, they want to see your message. They want to see that you care. Nick and Rosie, they didn't have pillows or blankets at this shelter that they're at. So I asked them, I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to get back over there. Murray was having, uh, what was that, vertigo this week. So I needed to get home with him. I couldn't get back over there. I said, is there any way y'all can stop and get them a pillow and a blanket? They slept one night with no pillow and no blanket in the shelter. But at least they're not on the street, but at least they were in a shelter. So I asked Nick and Rosie if they would mind. They gathered up pillows and blankets and um, what else did you get? So, Toiletries and duffel bags for each girl. Good stuff. Good stuff. Bath and body work stuff. Good. So, so they put things in there. Um, Brittany um, and Nicole went shopping for them yesterday and brought some clothes to my office. I took them shopping and got them some things the uh, day before yesterday. So, you know, just they'd feel better about themselves. In all of this, they'll hear our message about God because they know that we serve a God that cares and that we care. We're showing the care of God through our care for them. So they're, they're ready to hear what we have to say. People don't care. Um, what, what is that? People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So they're not going to hear your message until they see that you care about them. Amen. So Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourself. So maybe there's some way you feel like you'd like to help Lexi and Ray. As a... As a um, as a church, as a church family, we're helping Lexi and Ray. Amen? And so let God talk to your heart about what you can do. Maybe you could just give some money towards helping them. You know, we, we just are trying all we can to get them out of the shelter that they're in. It's not a great shelter. I have on my heart, I wish we could have like, you know how they do exchange students? You know, where a student comes from overseas and stays with a family and they just become like a, another member of the family. There's an adjustment there. But it gives them a place to stay until they, I guess, go back home or go into the workforce or whatever, but they build that relationship. You know, I was thinking if we had sponsors like that, you know, I'm just dreaming and I'm just throwing it out there because I'm thinking, you know, how could we more effectively help them? You'd think it'd be better for a person to be in a family with people showing that they care the love of God than being in a shelter with everything that comes off the streets in there with them in a place where there's rats, bed bugs. Holes in the ceiling, no AC. It's, is it better than the street? Nah, I don't know. But if we, if we had a place or if we had, a, if we had people who could open up their homes just to help until they could get a few checks and get on their, get on their feet, I'm just throwing that. I'm not saying anybody's got to do that. I'm just saying, what could we do to show them that we, that we care that would really help somebody? I want to be like Oprah. Dang. I want to, everybody who came to church today is your lucky day. Everybody's getting a car just because you came to church. I'm serious. I want to be like Oprah. Somebody, that would be just life changing for somebody to be able to give like that, to give them something that would just change their life, you know? Anyway, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pretty simple, isn't it? Number three, be prepared and ask God for opportunities to share your faith. So you need to be ready. You need to be prayed up, word up. You need to be just ready to share your faith and to have an opportunity. Ephesians 6.15, it says, having shod your feet with what? Preparation H? No, with the preparation... (laughs) Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? So your feet are prepared. You've got the gospel, you're prepared, you've got a handle on the gospel, you know how to use it, right? Amen. First Peter 3.15, it says, always be what? Prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In the Living Bible, it says, if anybody asks you uh, why you believe as you do, be ready to tell them and do it with a gentle, in a gentle and respectful way. We're not trying to shove it down anybody's throat, we're just being salty. I'm just flavorful. (laughs) You know, one thing you ought to do is ask people about themselves. What's going on with you? Somebody seems down, say, are you you okay? And if they say no, pat them on the back and say, can I pray with you? Or just listen, say, what's what's going on? Really be concerned and ask what's going on. I think we do too much talking or we think we got to do more talking than we do listening. People need to talk and and hear what they have to say. Um, And don't prejudge people by their outer appearance or what it looks like. they You don't know what that person has gone through. You do not know. So don't be judgy. We're not supposed to judge. We're fruit inspectors. That's the body of Christ. Amen. But the lost, we don't judge. Sin is already judged. We don't judge people. And we don't put labels on people either. All right. So be ready and be gentle and respectful. Respect everyone, where, whatever they're in, where, whatever they're doing, whatever, even whether you approve or don't approve, treat them with respect. Amen. Number four, share your personal experiences with God. So you want to share, you know, long after people have forgotten your sermon, they'll remember your story. They're not going to remember, you know, you took them down the Roman road and you told them all the, the scriptures, you know, the, the steps to salvation down the Roman road. You know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, um, the, the free gift of salvation is that Jesus died for us and, and we just receive it by faith. Amen. That's taking them down the Roman road. They, they won't remember that as much as they'll remember you telling them your story about when you received Christ about what you used to be and how God has changed your life. Amen? Not so much how I have a better life, but I'm forgiven. I have a relationship with Him. One day I'm going to be in heaven with Him forever. Amen? That it's more about the spiritual side than it is saying you're going to have a great life. You will have a great life because He's going to be with you. But don't lie to people and tell them you ain't never going to have no problems. So John 9, 25, it says, One thing I know. And that, and that, that, and that, that though I was blind, now I see. Now look how simple that is. This was the man who was blind, that Jesus healed his blinded eyes. And they came to him and said, how did you get your vision? I don't know. This guy laid his hands on me and told me to be healed. And, and I wouldn't wash and I could see. And then, you know, they came and asked him again, how did you, how did you get your sight? 
you know, was this man a prophet? I don't know whether he's a prophet. I don't know none of that. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. Amen. So you don't have to worry people with a bunch of gobbledygook. You just got to say, I used to be on drugs. I was going to hell. I was doing things my own way. I got sick of doing that. I cried out to God and God came into my heart and changed my life. And now I'm, I'm forgiven for everything. I felt the burden of sin lift off my shoulders that I've never felt so free as the day that I surrendered. Simple as that. It don't even have to be that fancy. I was blind, but now I say I was terrible, but now God has come into my heart and life. Amen? So don't get lost in the weeds. And don't be long-winded. Dude, don't be, don't be, don't be long-winded. You know, I've, gotten, I've shortened my testimony down to just, you know, when I was 31 years old, I knelt down in my closet 25 years ago, and I threw my hands in the air and said, I'm through running. Jesus, come into my heart. You, you can have my life. Whatever it is, you can have it. I'm ready to do things your way. I've tried to, to, to scratch a spiritual itch with, on my flesh, and it, and it just ain't never got scratched because I needed God in my spirit. Amen? So you just be easy about it. Just, just tell your testimony. I have a thousand stories. A thousand stories I can tell for, to meet people where they are, are. Paul says, I become all things to all men. When somebody shares their story about where they are, and you can relate. You know, when somebody has lost someone uh, to a murder, I, I called someone uh, this week. Um, it was a lady that had lost her, her son, and, and he was shot to death and killed. A horrible situation. So I got her phone number. I don't know her, but I called her up and I said, hey, my name is Pastor Sally. I'm uh, Evelyn's pastor. And she gave me your number so I could call you and, and, and pray with you. And uh, she cussed me out. <laughs> she cussed me out and hung up. And I'm still, my heart goes out to her. I was ready to minister to her because I know what it's like to lose someone, someone to a murder. My brother was murdered when he was 18 years old. Most devastating thing I've ever been through in my life. When somebody murders someone that you love, that, that is... You can't even, the sound that you make that comes out of your spirit when you hear the news that your loved one has been murdered, is, it doesn't even sound human. It sounds like an animal. I can still hear my own ears making a sound that I didn't believe was coming out of me when I heard that my brother was murdered. So I understand what she's going through, and I wanted to minister to her so bad, but she, she wasn't ready to hear it. She's in too much pain. I remember when I last shouted at people for two years after my brother was murdered. I'd be like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was real sketchy because that's, that's a hard thing to go through. I, I've, 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 I cussed out people. I sure did. I, I sure did. Cussed out people that I, that, that I loved a whole lot. I cussed them out because I was so upset. It was all B.C. before Jesus, but, you know. Not saying that I still might not do that if I, you catch me in the wrong moment. Amen. Amen. All right. So, number five, pray for those you interact with. Think about your stories. Share those with people about if God led you through a trying time and that's a testimony that you have, share that with somebody. Somebody's going through something and you've got a story where God helped you. Say, come on, I'm going to pray with you that God will do the same thing for you he did for me. Amen? He's good God. So pray for those you interact with. Water your seed. And even if it seems to go badly at the time, keep, keep watering that seed. Keep believing God. Keep praying that God would, um, would open their eyes. Look at this scripture. What a great scripture to pray over the lost. Look at this. Acts 26, 18. He says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, Jesus. So that you can see those things you're praying there. God, open their eyes. Lord, turn them from darkness to light. Lord, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Lord, I just pray that they'll receive forgiveness of sins. And Lord, they'll receive an inheritance um, just like the rest of us who are in Jesus Christ. What a great scripture to pray over the lost. Even when you pray the word, the word doesn't return void. It goes out and accomplishes the thing that you sent it for. Amen? All right, the number six. And I think this is the most important. Be passionate. If you're not passionate about something, why do I want to buy it? If you're not excited, why should I get excited? So you got to be passionate. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So I'm not ashamed, but I'm passionate. Amen? I'm passionate. Why? Because it's the power of God. If I'll share the gospel, that's the power of God. So you got to be ready to let people know who he's been to you. If he's been a healer, if he's been a way maker, if he's been a miracle worker, if he's been a promise keeper to you, you got to have a story. You got to be ready to tell other people he's a right now God. He, he knew you needed him today. That's why he sent me to you. Psalm 84, 2, look at this as a passionate, having passion for God. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So have a passion for God and, and work at it with all your heart. If you're going to witness, if you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit to lead people to Christ, and you know, that's what we're all called to do. When you walk out that door, you're entering your mission field. Amen? You ought to have, have yourself a ministry binder. If you come to Firm Foundation, we'll give you a binder. And you ought to put some blank paper in there, and then you ought to have your own ministry. What is this ministry? Who am I working on to tell about Jesus? Who am I praying for? Who do I plan to talk to? Who could I invite to lunch or, or just, in, just invite them over? What, what if you had a ministry binder, your own ministry binder for your own ministry? Amen? We're all called to do the work of the ministry. Y'all quiet right now. You could be like Kevin and just do it all on your phone. Be a techie. You don't have to have a binder. You can just do it on your phone. But it's important that you do strategize and you allow God to talk to you about who you're supposed to be reaching. It's about more than just you getting saved. About more than just you getting your life cleaned up. It's about getting your life cleaned up, getting full of the Word of God so you can go out and, and reproduce. Amen. Amen? Bring your five or your ten or your one with you. Amen. Or your thousands. You never know who's here. You never know who you're witnessing to. You never know. wonder who led Billy Graham to Jesus. Who led Oral Roberts to Jesus. Who led John Osteen to Jesus? Amen. I know Bishop Hilliard got saved at Miss Rachel's house. There's a lady in the neighborhood who decided she'd have a ministry for children and she would have punch and, and cookies for kids in the neighborhood could come to her house. And she had pictures all over the walls of like Samson and David and Goliath and Moses and she had Ruth and pictures of stories of the Bibles on the wall and they could point to a picture and she'd tell them the story, tell them the Bible story. And one day, Bishop Hilliard 
got on his knees and got saved at Miss Rachel's house because she decided to have a ministry. That's what it's about. That's what it's about, y'all. Father, we thank you for your word today. We know that this word is super important to you, God. It's super important to us. And so, Lord, we need to bear a hundredfold return on this word. So, Lord, we know it's gone on the good ground of our hearts. And, God, we just thank you that we grow in this word and that we become experts and just masters at sharing the gospel with other people. Lord, that's why you've saved us, so that we can make a difference in other people's lives, so that we can invite them to church. Lord, help us to strategize. Help us to hear your voice about who to talk to and what to say. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit to give a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, and to just teach us how to talk to people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We, we expect the miraculous to move. We expect signs and wonders and miracles and healings and faith and gifts of faith. God, we just expect the prophetic word to go forth. We expect you to use us mightily. We are not setting the bar low, but we are setting the bar high. And we are passionate about you, Lord. We're passionate. So we thank you for it and receive it in Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God today. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. Maybe you were right with God at one point, but maybe you've fallen off and decided to go your own way and you hadn't prayed or talked to him or, or um, you had, you just, you know, you've just kind of gone your own way and you want to come back to God today. Or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to get right with God today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you really mean it in your heart, you're really ready to come back to God, like I did when I was 31. I knelt down and I really gave it up. I gave up all. I said, Lord, you can have every part of me. I give myself to you. I, I totally and completely surrender my life to you. And I did in that very moment. God came in so beautifully into my life and it's just changed my life all around, in, impacted others all over. And so if that's you today, you want to give your heart and life to him, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you mean it in your heart, God is about to come into your heart and into your life and revolutionize your very being and existence in this world. No longer just do you live for yourself, but you live for the one who created you. Amen. So just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose, and sometimes... I'm sure I just didn't know, but I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I believe you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you got to let somebody know. Nobody gets